Welcome to Horror Spiria. My name is May. And my name is Clinton. Quarantine Clint. Woo! Quarantine Clint. Quarantine Clint. What are we doing today? We are doing pre-code horror. Very nice. Do you know what that beats? Uh, I assume there's a code. <laughs> and that code was probably, you know, like, button up, guys. <laughs> um, and this is before that. Did you, did seriously speaking, did you know that term before I signed it? No. Okay. Although I did, in the comic book field, there's something called the pre-code. Yeah. There's a code there too. Do you know what years that was? Probably similar. You know, that's interesting. I've never, I don't know if the Hayes Code was in comic. It might've been actually. So we'll get into that today. Okay. But before we get into that, what's going on? Um, geez, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything? I've got nothing. Clinton is still a dad. (laughs) I've been dadding, man. I've been dadding hard. Yeah. Okay. So you've been dadding. Yeah. I have been, I, so by the time people listen to this, it'll be like a big podcast drop, but we're recording this in late July. Okay. When do you think they'll be listening? They'll listen to us in the beginning of August. Okay. For sure. Okay. So within the next few weeks and yeah, but I've been really busy making videos for my class, which mm-hmm. they're probably going to be the ones listening to this. So okay. hello. <laughs> yeah. And if not, you're sort of. Welcome, welcome to class. Yeah, welcome to class. Have a seat. Professor May is ready to get into it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Right. So doing that, I am working on a couple of book things right now. Ooh. I remodeled my apartment. Okay. I finished The Americans. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I would like to know more about the book part. The book part, yeah. What you're writing. So I have been working on a book for technically my horror class with two other colleagues over the last year or so. And so that's through Cognella Publishing. So that's something that I've been working on slowly. Mm -hmm. But I also got an acceptance into an anthology on queer horror that is being put together by Lenny Blake, who is one of my heroes. So I'm really excited to get into that. So lots of writing. Three cheers. Thank you, sir. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you remodeled your um, apartment to be extra glowing. Yeah. There's a lot of LEDs in here now. Yeah. Rashad says that it's cheers. Cheers? Like the show? Yeah. Do you agree? No. I've never seen that show. I, I don't think of cheers. I don't think of like lights and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I think of... I'm glad Did they that have lights in the bar in Cheers? They must I have. Don't, huh? I never saw Cheers. I just know yeah. Ted Danson's on it, right? That's funny, though. You know, your your apartment does have a, a little bit of a Cheers vibe now that I'm thinking of it. <laughs> with It's got like wood paneling. I guess maybe that's what he was maybe um, inspired by with that comment. I'm not sure. Yeah, no. You, like you a make a brick fireplace. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work. I am thinking of putting a skull in it uh-huh. and illuminating the skull. With a fire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Same wavelength. Okay. Yeah, I would absolutely. This is horror. Spiria. I would be disappointed if you don't do that. Clinton used to live in a basement, and his basement had like this aluminum foil like TV contraption. Yeah, it was like an old TV with a big back. Yeah, and... but it didn't work. Oh, it worked. No, it worked. <laughs> uh, and I would play 
the fire um what do you call it? Like a the, the fire fireplace app. video. Yeah. Except it wasn't an app. It was like a VHS. Video. A DVD. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I made the whole um, TV to look like a robot. So I had a robot head yes. and robot that arms. That was it. Yeah. yeah. It once inspired... What happened to it? It once inspired a visitor to say, oh, um, I guess your landlord can't can't make you throw that away or something <laughs> like that. It was like, oh, yeah. It just dawned on them like... But I was somebody's nightmare um, <laughs> resident situation. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you had the cat. But what happened the to cat? that? Did it just... Yeah, the, the, the fake cat. You mean cat. my mechanical cat? Yeah, your mechanical cat. Oh, I still cat. have that. That gets heavy play. No, um, I mean in, the TV. What happened world? to the TV? Oh, thrown away. Oh. Yeah, you got to let that go That's sometimes. so depressing. It went probably 10 years. Okay. Okay. So I was a 30-year-old, 30-something-year-old man. With a, With TV a robot. robot TV centered, featured in the apartment. Yeah. It was cute. I Thank just you. thought it didn't work. It did Thank seem you. like a piece of trash. But I admire <laughs> trash a lot. That's, yeah. Because trash. I am a basura. Mm, that's Spanish for trash, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, very good. Yeah. Anything else we need to catch the kids up on? Uh, Have you watched any horror outside of the pre-code? So... I don't think I... So the last few films I... So The Americans took uh-huh. up a lot of my time. Yeah. That's six seasons of 13 hours each. So wow. it's a lot of 69 so hours, yes. give or take. <laughs> Sounds pretty much accurate. <laughs> Actually, more than 69. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that was like a whole thing. But actually, recently, I've been watching a lot more off of Criterion. Uh, ah, so I've yes. been digging into Criterion more. I mean, it's like... Yeah. That's the fancy... That sounds um, like the Star Wars thing. Oh, <laughs> that's what it is. Okay, swing and a miss. I was like, all right. I was trying to be fancy. Um, no. And I was holding up a little teacup, which is you. So, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been doing a lot of reading, too. Okay. Uh, so I just finished... Some you know, I've been listening to a really great podcast that I want to big up. This isn't an independent podcast, like it's a pretty popular podcast, uh-huh. but I really want to recommend it. They need our help. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of You Must Not Re- You Must Remember This? No. Okay. So it's a podcast done by the LA Times, I think, and it's done by Karina Longworth, who is an investigative journalist. Okay. And it's a pod that is centered exclusively on the history of of Hollywood in the first century and so each season has like a different focus and this season is focused on a woman called Polly Platt Hmm. who is behind so many of like popular American franchise things. What do you mean by behind? What does she do? Well not franchise just like a, a lot of just like iconic Hollywood American things like she helped set up the meeting for James Brooks and the other guy to do the Simpsons together like mm, theoretically I'm sorry who Matt Groening yes yeah there you go yeah so she introduced them um she she was married to Peter Bogdanovich and but she produced all of his movies without credit. Hmm. So like she production designed them, she produced them, and she didn't think to fight for credit, even though she did all of the work. Mm-hmm. She was unpaid and uncredited. She just did it because he was his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And she designed the look of all of those films and never received credit for it. It's just like this super fascinating history mm. about someone. I don't even, I don't think I've seen a Peter Bogdanovich film even. And I am hooked to this season. I think wow. there's a couple episodes left. But yeah, you, uh, Karina takes you through her life, both in her words and the words of people that knew her. And I mean, yeah, it's specific to this person. And you'll recognize a lot of the stuff that she's done. Um, but it's also more of like a testament to like just how fickle and uh, bureaucratic Hollywood has always been and the stories that are lost because mm. of that. And it actually makes, you know, doing something like the pre-code episode, preparing for that today, I feel like I have such a better understanding of how this world existed by knowing, you know, just what came a little bit after that mm -hmm. and how to do better and for for the industry right now. Anyway, but it's a great it's if you like like investigative stuff, it's really great. Oh, and I loved the new unsolved mysteries. Well, people are talking about this. Is this a sh this is a show? It's on Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah. And it's new. Yeah, so you saw the format, original? Uh I mean Robert we're Stack, talking we're talking like Lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking like the series that went on for like hundreds of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So Netflix rebooted it. Uh-huh. And it is kind of a different tone because it's more modernized. Yeah. And they're billing it as no reenactments. And that's not true. There are small reenactments. No, but okay. there's a big difference. Because I remember the old Unsolved Mysteries. Uh -huh. It was like watching a long reenactment. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. But this one is more like interviews, pictures. And then every once in a while, there'll be a very brief reenactment. But it's not that dramatic. And it's not like... It's not okay. hokey. That's yeah. Cool. And I feel like 90%. And so... This format is also different because every episode is one story. Uh -huh. So they go really deep into one story. And 90% of the episodes, I'm like addicted. Like, I, I want to know you what happened. You gotta know, right. I must know. Yeah. And it's, it's each hour or so is yeah, a new... Each, each um, one is an hour. Yeah. And each... And do they need your help in solving the crime? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's only one of them that's kind of not... It's an aliens one. Ooh. Uh, so that one is kind of more like an opinion one. So that one won't be solved. It's kind of like if you know more information about this thing that happened 50 years ago, let huh. us know. Okay. But no, yeah, because it, it was like this alien sighting that one entire section of Massachusetts saw at once. Uh -huh. So okay. not the same town, like multiple towns but right. specifically in this one area i still don't know what to think about it that's mm -hmm. the only one that i kind of didn't even like yeah um because i'm just a little weird with aliens i believe in aliens yeah but every single time like something is dramatized even in like those kind of specials things mm -hmm. i do just feel like okay <laughs> yeah i'm with you on that i I'm pretty skeptical of yeah. alien shows yeah or I just like the the uh how do you say? I guess the mainstream or the default version of what we think aliens are. Yeah. I'm like, guys, I don't think so. You'd be weirder. Yeah, I think it would be way weirder uh -huh. or even just something that we can't even fathom. Yeah. Like in theory, perhaps aliens are in this room, you know, right. because they are they exist on a different uh, dimension that we can't fathom, mm -hmm. you know. Um, 
So, but this one was more like, yeah, we were abducted for a couple of seconds. And I'm just like, whenever it gets into abductions, I'm yeah. like, okay, all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You experienced this. Uh, yeah. You believe I, I feel like I'm talking abducted. so much shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, much respect to the people. We've alienated all of our abducted <laughs> listeners. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry if you've been abducted. I really respect it. I just, yeah. it's hard for me, me to too. fathom. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Live your truth. And I'm not trying to take that away from you. But strongly recommend because the first okay. episode is, is this about something local. that takes place in Maryland. Baltimore. Baltimore. Have you ever heard of Ray Rivera? No. Have you well, ever heard of? I have because I read the article about it. Oh, yeah. have you heard of Agora? Oh, phobia? No. Okay. okay. Yeah, no. It basically is centered those two things. But it's funny. Um, I am on a Discord chat with Eric and a couple of Baltimore people. Okay. And when I mentioned Unsolved Mysteries in the Discord chat, they were like, oh, yeah, we grew up always knowing about Ray and uh-huh. knowing that these people were involved. And I was like, huh. holy shit. Really? <laughs> I was, was like, that... it's like a Baltimore thing. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So I was curious if you knew anything, nah, actually. I don't know I anything. Know. Oh, nah. Interesting. First I'd heard about it. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I Wow. Super cool. We hope it's, <laughs> we hope it's solved. It's yes. Scary right. fucked up stuff. Every single. So I, I'm not scared by horror movies. Like I'll feel uncomfortable uh-huh. or, or get reactions, but yeah. I can't genuinely say things scare me. Um, every time I come to visit you <laughs> and walk in the door, that that scares you. Well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You almost dropped the macaroni today. <laughs> After I made two giant <laughs> macaroni pies. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, but Unsolved Mysteries does it, man. I was watching that show oh, like, yeah? oh my God, yeah. this is Really scary. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's all. That's a real life. The trick. Scare. But for real, some of the stories are really weird. Mm-hmm. Like they go beyond just like just normal. regular murder. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, holy sh! Like it's just creepy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's nice. Yeah. So watch good, it. That's good for horror. No. Yeah. Horror. Yeah. Adjacent I had zero watch. expectations, and they they have another six episodes in the uh vault yeah and i'm like drop that shit netflix yeah well i feel like any that format is just so evergreen every dateline i've ever watched i've I've been i love dateline not every dateline but a lot of datelines you know but you know it's funny take me take me through the the murder and it's terrible and it's riveting yeah but you know what's funny i have hulu and hulu has dateline but i never think to watch it just because you know what's kind of my problem with dateline it is also just a primetime show you know what i mean Uh so they do have to hit certain beats no matter what yeah and unsolved mysteries obviously kind of has to do the same thing too but i also feel like it's a lot more earnest Mm Whereas I feel, I mean, Dateline, you get a new fucking, yeah, you get a, exactly, exactly. So, but like, if I was, I don't have cable here, but say if I was visiting my parents and Dateline was on, I would put Dateline Mm -hmm. probably because I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty quality. Yeah. This is the best (laughs) I'm going to get here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just because true crime is so bloated now that you have entire series that are legit just like Florida people. Yeah. Now on True TV. Oh, man. And you're just like, okay. We've gotten that far. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Which, fair. Yeah. Okay. So, from True TV. (laughs) Yeah. To. 
spooky black and white movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to explain why I want to do pre-code for this podcast, because technically these are all American produced films. They are considered American films, but pre-code films are the basis of American horror. Like when we think of what was the very first American horror film, we have to go to pre-code films first. So we did German Expressionism that started off this entire thing. And it was a great episode. But the thing that I, I think I mentioned on the episode, I don't fully remember now, is that after German Expressionism were the American monster movies. Mm. And the majority of these directors were not American. They came mm. from Europe. They were disciples of German Expressionism or sometimes German Expressionists themselves. Like Fritz Lang and F.W. Murnau worked as advisors on all of the films that we're going to talk about today. And uh, as we break them down, I want to get into that with you. I want to see like what you thought of some of the visuals, if it reminded you of stuff. And I just wanted to, because this is also just a really fascinating part of American uh, film history. That's like, I, I wouldn't say it's underground information, but I also mm. feel like a lot of people don't realize this was a very short period of time. What are we talking? Four years. Okay. In which really in which the horror genre was established. I mean, horror films kept being made between 1934 and the late 60s, obviously. But what you probably don't know, what most people probably don't automatically realize is that they were majorly toned down from these earlier films. Uh And then what would later come in the 70s, exploitation films. That's kind of why exploitation films existed in the first place, because... The cinema and the cinematic industry had been under this Catholic rule, quite literally. Mm -hmm. The code. The the code that was, you know, we'll get into the whole history, but um, for four decades. And so now that there were much more open avenues of filmmaking, it just everyone kind of just went crazy. And we saw that evidenced in exploitation cinema. So So you get to see a little bit of the. Yeah, the, the little bit of the crazy peak out before exactly, it's smushed exactly. back down. And I think, would you say you kind of felt that when you watch these movies? Yeah, I've got some thoughts about them. Some of them, and I was actually surprised. There's a little bit of sexiness a lot. to some of it. Yeah, very, and I was like, oh, this is sexy yeah. in a in a way, in a provocative way. Yeah, but absolutely. not just like woo, you know, flashing parts. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. They had to put a so, stop to that. Yeah. 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 So do you think, you know, we haven't done this in a while? Yeah. Because we've been kind of going crazy. Uh, we know ha- a lot. I mean, it's like... Having fun with cool themed fun. episodes. Let's just talk about stuff. Yeah. Movies that we've seen. But you seen. know what? Yeah. I got to get back to some knowledge. Everyone sit down. <laughs> Class has begun. Okay. Okay. So... Do you think you can do something for me? I think I can. Do you think you could put a 60 second timer on? Yes. That way I can try. I'm like your real life Siri. I know. That way, that's the premise of this podcast. May and her real life, Clinton. (laughs) Okay. And tell me when to go. I'm going to try and give you the history of the code era Uh in 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Okay. Okay. You count me down. 
three, two, one. Okay, so this all started with William Hayes. And William Hayes was this conservative dude from Indiana that was in the pockets of conservative uh, religious lobbyists. And the thing about the film industry back then is that they were ran by state censor boards. It wasn't like this national thing. And so uh, there was this big scandal in the late 20s with this rape and a murder or whatever. And (laughs) they were like, we need to clean up our ass. And so they hired these Catholic people. And so William Hayes was like, hey, state censor boards, like, let's think of a plan. And this Catholic priest from Missouri or something was like, hey, well, why don't you write rules for these people? And so William Hayes was like, "Okay." And in 1930, he and the Catholic priest created this code that Hollywood movies should follow in order to clean up their image and raise good American white kids. And that's. Okay, but pre-code Ding is dong. a j- Okay, <laughs> that was kind of like the preamble. Okay, the preamble to the pre-code. Okay. So can I get a quick review? So that, not, you know, not to the whole thing, but <laughs> so a priest and who is the other person? Okay, okay. Hayes? So William Hayes yeah. is the dude that's at the bottom of all of this. Like none wow. of this would really exist without William Hayes. Is he like a Puritan? He kind of wasn't a Puritan. He was kind of one of those like... <laughs> Okay. Go ahead. The, kind of like one of these gay for pay, like Catholic, oh. <laughs> like, 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 you know, like, but, but, you know, it's like religion for pay. Religion so, for yes, pay. Yes, he okay. did come from a conservative background and yeah. whatnot. But he was like, but, you get, you slip me an extra 20 and I'll get real religious. Well, okay. No, listen. So he grew up in this privilege. Uh, it was 1897. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. 1879 when he was born. Okay. But he went to Wabash College. He did that whole thing and he became the campaign manager for Warren G. Harding's 1920 election bid and My they won. word. And they, they won. won. So I guess this is what the Paul Lewandowski Warren G. Is that, is that his name? Paul Lewandowski. Do you remember um, Paul Manafort? Paul I don't Manafort. Know. Yeah, I think you're mixing up Paul Manafort and Corey Lewandowski. A, Corey yes. Lewandowski. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, but for Warren G. Harding, was he a Harding, schemer and a scammer? Well, listen, listen, okay. listen, listen. So in the first two years of Harding's presidency, there were a lot of like fraud and and election mm-hmm. uh, mis, you know, stuff, stuff that really does sound fam- similar to today. Yeah. And Will Hayes got out of there. Wow. He fucking, who is the guy? Anthony Scaramucci. Scaramucci did. He, well, I think Scaramucci was kind of fired also. <laughs> oh, okay. Whoever quit after two years. Yeah. He lasted two years. Okay. So whoever quit after okay. two years. Like everybody in the in administration quit okay. after, you know. Right. But there's, um, they're still not good people, but yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Sean but, Spicer. The, okay. Okay, so yeah. He I, Sean I, I Spicer that. did. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so he got, it, it got too hot for him there. It got too hot for him. Too dirty. And he willingly left left the uh he was like i'm a man of god <laughs> yes no literally because as soon as he resigned for his cabinet yeah. position he went to become chairman of the motion picture producers and distributors of america for our sakes and purposes we're going to call them the mppda mppda yeah okay. and basically the mppda were the 
government, the film government people. You know, okay. this is 1920. Film hasn't even been around. I mean, like the film industry, quote unquote, uh-huh. hasn't really even been around for 30, 40 years. Okay. And so a lot of this was still, you know, the American government, international governments, um, you know, local governments figuring out what this even looked like. And mm-hmm. so that's what the MPPDA kind of was for, you know. So when William Hayes uh, became dir- director of chairman, sorry, chairman of the MPPDA, uh, that is when this the scandal that I mentioned happened. What scandal? So Fatty Arbuckle was this. Do you know Fatty Arbuckle? No, it's just funny. (laughs) He was this extreme, one of the most popular silent film stars at the time. And Virginia Rapp was just this. uh, She was also an actress, but she was much less famous. Anyway, so at this Hollywood uh, big party at a Hollywood mansion, uh, Virginia was raped and murdered. Oh, my gosh. Like, but like brutally. And so... Kind of trigger warning here, like her insides were ruptured. Wow. And so her friend implicated Fatty in the act. Yeah. She was like, he's the only person big enough to do that to her. Because Fatty, he really was really big. That's why he had his name. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be crass. Really? Because, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 And Because I thought up- like back in the day, if you were like 10 pounds overweight, they'd be like, ah, Fatty, ah, you know. But no, this guy was really large. If you are a woman, yes, which yeah. is well, also something that I to, learned. Yeah, you know, from you must you must remember this has a series actually on early Hollywood cosmetic surgery, Ooh. and it's fascinating. Wow, yeah. wow, strongly recommend that season too. Anyway, um, right. So, but this big scandal, yeah, really began to tarnish the image of Hollywood because again, it was an early industry. Most they had Did kind it get of been, branded as like these are Satanists, or? exactly. Kind of it. Well, we wouldn't say Satanists go so far, but it was Godless. kind of like exactly. Yeah. It was very much like you all are adulterating yourself, you're adulterating yeah. American and culture. This, will, will, this is what will happen to all of us, exactly. If it, you keep watching because, these movies, yeah, exactly. Because it, it's not like now where the industry is just so many different tiers, right? It was Uh just this one channel and people were reacting very strongly to it. Yeah. So that's kind of, that was the whole point of Mm. the MPPDA. So when did that happen? This was uh, in September of 1921 is when William Hayes became chairman. Okay. And when did Fatty Arbuckle... I think that happened. was around the same time because this is the 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 20s is kind of when it all starts mm-hmm. because the production code was enacted in 1930 but before the production code was well, I'm sorry. It was written in 1930 because uh-huh. written and enacted are two very different things and we'll go back into this in a bit. But um when Hayes first assumed the position of chairman, a lot of it was to try and figure out things first. That's what I mentioned about the state censor board. So he first kind of tried to negotiate things on behalf of Hollywood to state censor boards Hmm. Um, because of this big scandal that had now tarnished the image, you know. um, Even though it was, I mean, I guess, so are we in the 19, mid 1920s right now? This is, ni- this is early 1920s. So 1920, 1921, 1922, 1923. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of his first approach to it because um, 
William Hayes was friends with the Republican. He was chairman of the Republican National Party for one of those years that mm-hmm. he was working with Harding. So he was he had kind of a foot in both worlds. Mm-hmm. He had a foot in the government world. He had a foot in conservative Hollywood. And back then, uh, film industries were heavily lobbied. Uh, they're still kind of today, but since there are so many different ways to get film distribution now, it's not like... People usually when people want to lobby for a cause, they just make a film anyway. But back then, you really kind of had to have these lobbyists that were trying to, you know, push put forward different beliefs. I mean, that's kind of what the whole McCarthy, you know, thing was Mm -hmm. about later on. Um, But for right now, the people that were lobbying the film industry were Catholic organizations. Mm-hmm. So, so be Catholic, like, hey, make more Catholic movies. It was more like clean up the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's um, so funny that that's like a lobby, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and it was like, like a excuse coordinate- me, mister. <laughs> excuse making- me. Exactly. Yeah. Please stop making these movies. Yeah. Um, but back then, you know, it was an early industry. Uh-huh. People really felt like it was a make or break kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what William Hayes tried to do at first. So he tried okay. to like sweet talk the censor boards. Yeah. Um, because it was also more expensive for Hollywood studios because back then it wasn't like you made one film and it showed in every state. You had to make a film for every different state and every single time an edit even slightly changed, you had to repay everything to submit a new version of that movie. So it was a very like... Really? So they had to change... For every single state. Location. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And I mean, sometimes, you know, there would be the same cut across states, but many times it wasn't. That's why there are so many different cuts of early. I'm sure when you were reading into Freaks, you read that there were like four different cuts Mm -hmm. or five different. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of indicative of all of that. Anyway, so what ended up happening though, so this was early 20s kind of mid-20s, and as time passed, the problem wasn't really being solved. Like The, the movies, movies were just still yeah, they were too st- sexy, too yeah, violent. Were, yeah, too violent, too sexy, too wild. Yeah. And so the Ooh. Catholic lobbyists got a lot more hardcore with it. Uh-huh. They were like, you need to do something. You need to really put the pressure onto them or else this whole movie situation's Hollywood yeah. experiment is going to go to waste. lose America. Exactly. Quite yeah. literally. Yeah. So in 1930, this dude called Father Daniel Lords, a priest from uh, Missouri, I think, he wrote what would become to known as the production code. So it was a list of rules that all these people had to follow. And on the set while making the movie or No, no, no. In the content of the movie. In the content of the film. The content of the films. Wow. Yes. And when William Hayes read it, he was like, Eureka, this is exactly it. And so do you want to know kind of what was the code first? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. So there were like 50 different things on this code. They sometimes get very specific. Yeah. But I kind of highlighted the 13 most important ones are the ones that I feel like give you the best ideas to what this goes for. So no pointed profanity or use of the Lord's name in vain, no literal or suggestive nudity, 
Oh, not even suggestive. So, so you no can't even have no silhouettes. Okay. So you might remember from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, there's a lot of suggestive. Oh, yes. 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 And, and in actually in the old dark house, too. And technically also in the Invisible Man as well. But it's all invisible, so don't see that. <laughs> um, but yes, that was a really big one. Okay. And one that people got usually really fucked up on. Yeah. Uh, no well, drugs. Well, that would have not made the, the code, by the way. But <laughs> No drugs. Okay. No white slavery. No miscegenation. Miscegenation? Breeding between tests. <laughs> Breeding between races. Oh wow! Which means no interracial people, I Basically. guess. Because I no yeah, exactly. Yeah. that's exactly what it means. Yeah, um, or no interracial. I just like kind representation. of. I mean, I like the sound Mis- of the word oh, miscegenation. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, call it for what it is. You know, that's because that's literally what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a completely yeah. way of saying races do not mix. Right. Right. And and remember, this was Hollywood law. So already we know in 1930, <laughs> sir, they, sir. He gets the handcuffs. You've just violated Hollywood law. <laughs> You're coming with me. Basically. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll come to learn that the consequences did get severe. But anyway, okay, okay. So no miscegenation, no ridicule of the clergy. Oh, wow. That's so silly. Just throw that in there. Like, don't make fun of me. <laughs> no literal or suggestive scenes of childbirth. Wow. No sexual perversions. Clearly, clearly. No brutality or gruesomeness. No sympathy for criminals. Hmm. No first night scenes. Oh my goodness. Meaning sexual first night? Yeah. In kind of like one night stands or like just like... No implications that we see them go to bed together. Okay. We must see a follow-up dates. Because there's no night. Yeah. The next one is no men and women in bed together. Uh, next one, no heavy kissing. And it kind of goes on like no homosexuality. Does it say heavy kissing? What's the kissing terminology? So the kissing terminology is that they had five seconds to kiss. It could I not. I feel like you could get some in in five seconds. <laughs> it cannot go you longer can get than five seconds. five seconds. Actually, no joke. Yeah. The longest kiss in film history. Uh huh was done by Hitchcock in under the code and he was like, you know what, William Hayes, fuck your goddamn five, five second, second rule. rule. And it's and he it, it was between Igmar Bergman, not Igmar, Ingrid Bergman. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Two very different people. Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant, I'm pretty sure. And it was a three minute kiss. What? Where they parted technically every five seconds but sometimes he would wrap around her she would and i think it went up a staircase yeah so it was just it's one of the most well photographed uh scenes of all time in the movie yes really it's it's actually no joke notorious which is what the, the scene where the movie is from is my favorite hitchcock yeah and a lot of it what's that one called Notorious. Oh, it's called Notorious? Yeah. And a lot of it is just that it's so brilliantly shot. And that is one of the scenes. To this day, I don't think I've seen a kiss scene filmed like that. And he did it specifically to spite William Hayes. Because William Hayes technically couldn't. He couldn't handle it because they broke apart every five seconds. But it definitely was a a provocation. William Hayes had a six second kiss 
and he lost his S. And well, technically, this was Daniel Lord, Father Father Lord, Father Lord, Father Lord. Oh, right, handing which, handing the Ten Commandments down to Mike to William. And Hayes. I actually have a direct quote from William Hayes. Do you uh-huh. want to hear what he said? Sure. He said, "My eyes nearly popped out when I read it." This was the very thing I had been looking for all these years. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so he had a big chub when he Wow. <laughs> His starchy shirt was just like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So the thing is, the code was written in 1930. William Hayes loved it. So do you want to guess what Hayes happens? William Hayes was then? like, this rocks. Yeah. Make, <laughs> a, make a thousand movies like this. Hells yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think happens next? Uh, movies suck. <laughs> Well, I don't. I think you know movies don't suck because we saw the movies that came after. That's true. So, so uh, yeah. What okay. Is, so William Hayes still he's still the chairman of the MPPDA. He's got his nerd code. He, yeah, he goes to the studio heads and he's like, "Hey, buddies, I have the Ten Commandments now. Uh-huh. We're gonna call it the Production Code. Follow these rules, and you're never gonna have another problem releasing a movie in America because mm-hmm. it will abide by all of the rules. Okay. I made a law, and the studio heads read the rules, and they were like, "Hmm, okay, girl." Yeah, and that was kind of it. Yeah. They didn't follow it. They didn't follow oh, it immediately. Uh, and uh, so I like it. Feisty. There became a lot. There, there was a lot of tension between yeah, uh, the MPPDA name being led by William Hayes uh-huh. and Hollywood. Okay. That, you know, Who remember German expressionism was 1920 to basically the end of the 20s. Uh because of the rise of Hitler and all those German directors moved to America and they were still in the expressionist state of mind. They were fleeing countries. They are meeting up with these directors where again, remember, I don't know if I've said this, maybe I haven't said this yet, but horror movies technically did not exist until this time. Like there was no designation of a horror film before the 1930s. Okay. That's not to say that there weren't things close to horror films. Mm-hmm. Like there was, there was a 1910 version of Frankenstein. There was a different version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. How far back does um the one go Golem? How back? How far back was 1920. that? 1920. That was Germany, okay. though. We're talking about oh, we're America. We're talking about, US. We're talking about okay. America. Yeah. Okay. Um. So in America, it. It was a concept in a way, but it was more like macabre, Mm -hmm. you you know, they were considered psychological dramas. Hmm. But in 1931, with the premiere of Todd Browning's Dracula, it was the a trend was now officially being started. That was the first universal monster film. Universal studios would dominate this era. They weren't the only ones. RKO was a really popular one too, but we also really know this era as the universal monster movie era. But I, I mean, I, I always feel like we should go by the historical connotation of it because it wasn't just universal making these movies. This was everyone. And we're only looking at horror films today, but pre-code films covered all genres. So there were pre-code comedy films. There were pre-code sex films. There were pre-code drama films. And it was kind of a free fall for everyone because salacious content sold. Mm -hmm. That's what the 20s told them. And they were able to sell it. Yeah. And even though the Catholics 
uh, thought that, you know, Hollywood was this degenerate place. And yes, it kind of was. The, the American people didn't care. That's why they went to the movies. Because yeah. what happened in 1929 in America? Um, no, punching, a blow up. Stock market crash. That's oh. what started the Great Depression in October of 1929. The okay. Great Depression, literally, you started a decade with one of the worst depressions of all time. Uh -huh. Sound familiar? Um, yeah. And so, you know, this was a very, these were people that were beaten down. They wanted escapism. Cinema was still a very shiny new thing. It's not like kind of now where it's not. We, I mean, some of us turn to movies, but it's not like, yes, movies, because, you know, we it's have just, more options. Now yeah, too. exactly. I mean, back but back then, it, then been it was it was big, like a Disney, a bigger cultural <laughs> no. event. Exactly. Probably. So and, and these new movies that were now exploring ways to scare you, because even though like horror adjacent films existed mm -hmm. before the 1930s, sound horror films did not exist mm. and that is why the horror genre even started to get coined because now the cinema was a lot more visceral they were hearing screaming mm. they were seeing they were hearing the sound effects they were getting the music and every and, and it became this multi-sensory experience and that's also kind of why it was such a big burst in the beginning of the decade because they knew that their time was counting down because William Hayes didn't really have a way of punishing these studios. You know, yeah. they looked at the code, they said, okay, we'll do our best. And then yeah. they spit it in his face. Essentially yeah. they were yeah. like, we're not going to do what you're going to say. Um, but all of that slowed in 1934 when William Hayes was able to get the code nationally enacted as a law. As a law. Yeah, it like was a like government. a law govern. It, it was it was a govern. It governed uh, Hollywood. Yeah, oh, it gover okay. so it, it like governed the, the US because Congress. the film. Well, no, yeah, because the film industry was uh, intrinsically tied to the government at that time. It changed out after the years, like the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Remember, this was the studio system. People didn't sign up for individual movies back then. He, uh, studios owned mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. like quite literally like yeah. you had to do and so that's that's the level of law that the production code got into where we're not going to let you sell your film to these cinemas mm. in the country unless you do these things gotcha. and so it wasn't until 1934 that William Hayes was able to get that government hookup Man. and it legit did become a national law for Hollywood studios if uh -huh. they didn't follow these rules their film weren't going to be sold to cinemas gotcha um and that's when the pre-code era ended so that's why when we call when we talk about pre-code it's a very specific era it's from when the code was written until when it was enacted okay so technically the so it's code not just any time before exactly it because yeah. the code technically didn't exist so in a way pre-code is almost like a misnomer right you we think that these are movies that were written before the code yeah no these were movies written before the code was enacted uh -huh. but after it was written gotcha uh, because it just created a very different atmosphere and you can tell by the types of movies that came out i mean all of the Universal monster movies came out in this short period and they still existed after that, but they became parodies of each other. Like, and 
you've seen a million of them, like Dracula meets Wolfman or Dracula and, you know, j- just like a lot of reiterations mm-hmm. that never quite held up to the original ones, but it was what they could more or less get away with, with the code. So a lot of it was kind of like almost parody films. Yeah. Um, yeah. So mm. I think that's like the overview of the code. Okay. Questions. When did the code end? It ended in the late 1960s. And it that is when the studio system began to change. That's when the laws governing the film industry began to change. That's when the market began to open up, that the code became irrelevant. Because was it was it do you think it kind of was becoming irrelevant? Yes. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like people Absolutely, was, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. People were trying to find ways because I mean, remember, independent, like I just said, independent cinema kind of didn't exist before then because yeah cameras weren't as readily available you know cinema was still a new art but by the 60s and definitely heading into the 70s I mean in the 70s is when we had our new American wave when we had this wave of uh independent American filmmakers hmm. make their films and find ways to get to get into it and then again and then the grindhouse just, exploitation films yeah, yeah things just opened and up william hayes is rolling in his grave yeah, yeah yeah actually don't know how he dies yeah i you know it's so funny i never thought to look at it during the break we'll look at it yeah because i'm curious because he was a miserable little maybe bitch. like a bible a bible <laughs> fell on his head yeah but essentially yeah that that's what no happened. disrespect to Mr. Hayes or his no family. a lot of disrespect. He was a racist. <laughs> oh, was he? Oh, no yeah. miscegenation. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, a huge Bible hit him in the dick and then he <laughs> fell down. And... <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Oh yes, so many more questions, but I'll limit it, limit myself to one. Um. Um. I just talked so much. Is there a particularly egregious code movie where it's like, wow, this movie. Yes, actually. Sucks so hard. Wait, sucks? Yeah, in a bad way. Like, sucks. Or what were you thinking? I thought you meant like one that like was so egregiously offensive. Oh, that the code. Yeah. that Yeah. Let's do that. Yes. You they watched sent the one of them. Code police. You watched Which, one of um, them. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. So. The choices are Invisible Man. So we Man. watched, let's say in order, we watched okay. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh-huh. Freaks, The Old Dark House, and The Invisible Man. Okay, so listener, which of the four do you believe it was? I'm going to go ahead and say, wow. Well, I'm going to guess Freaks from that yep. lineup. Yeah, that yep. was the one, huh? That, that was broke the one. their brains. Yes, and uh, it has probably the most in- interesting, I guess, slash sad. Ooh. A production behind it. Ah, so, gosh, but yes. we'll get there, huh? Indeed, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah. All right. Should we start our adventure? Yeah. If you don't have any other questions, no more questions. Okay. Yeah. Then let's yeah. get into it. So the first movie we're going to look into is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, directed by Ruben Mamoulian, starring Frederick March. <laughs>
positively indecent. Look where he did to me. Your conduct was disgusting. It isn't done. It isn't done. Strength. Strength. Indecent. Indecent. And a man dying of thirst. Forget water. Disgusting. You're mad, mad. Come back soon, won't you? Come back. Come back. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And you will you will notice that I say it correctly. Jekyll. Oh, right. I think that's a thing, but I'm going to keep saying Jekyll. <laughs> it's a thing. I, I, it's a thing I didn't know about until I watched this movie. And I just, yeah. I giggled, giggled every time. I know I giggled every time I, I heard it. <laughs> you jiggled. I did. And I realized I've been spelling it wrong my whole life. What? It's J-E-K-Y-L-L, double L's. How the hell did you spell it before? Definitely not like that. That's the only way I know how to spell really? it. Really? Yeah. Well, okay, some of us are just born smart, I suppose. Yeah, I know. Anyway, yeah, so that was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, I'm going to say Jekyll. Thank you. And directed by Ruben Mamoulian. So one thing that I want you to know about uh-huh. basically every single film director of this era and you might not remember this from German Expressionism. You might, but these were all older men. And obviously, the film industry didn't really exist when they were younger. So a lot of them had their start in theater and worked their way up. Mm-hmm. And so Rob, Robert, I'm sorry, Ruben Memeline was one of them. James Whale was one of them. They used and to be. All, and so was Todd Browning. Though Todd Browning's career is also a little bit more interesting, but we'll get into why. Okay, so these were directors of the stage first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So that's how we know Ruben through that. But he became a a pretty prolific director after that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Should we get into what it's about or? I mean, yeah, it's the classic story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, (laughs) I think that. First of all, one of my first questions to you yeah. is, is Dr. Jekyll hot in this movie? Frederick March? Hell yeah. 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 Dr. Jekyll, you're supposed to want to bang the F out, out of him. Of and Frederick was actually a sex symbol of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he was actually a pretty progressive dude. He okay. was friends with Dorothy Arsner, who was an openly out lesbian director of the time Hmm. she was like the only pre-code lady director wow i like her movies a lot she's cool and he starred in her movies and stuff so frederick was pretty cool Okay. first first question answered and one trick that this that this film does yeah is it uses a point of view shots oh yeah it transitions like so smoothly into these point of views so early in the movie you're doing my work for me you see dr jekyll 
from, you know, looking in the mirror. Yeah. And that's when the thought first came to me. I was like, wait a second. Is this guy hot? Because he's, you know, in his suit and his hat and he's just like fixing his collar and stuff. And they use that point of view oh, yeah. later in a, oh, yeah. in a sexy way. Yeah. And I thought, I thought, wow, this black and white film from the 1930s. It's horny. It's horny. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I have in my notes. Um, did the horny police shut this movie down? Like, is that, that was the code. William Hayes. I mean, I, I read to you the code. When he saw this movie. And it's not even that salacious, but. I mean, this is a very There's sex- no this nudity, is one of the- right? There There's is no suggestive penetration. nudity, though. No- we do nudity. know that they are first it's night It's a hilarious scenes. phrase, by the way. I mean, it, that's, yeah. it's the truth. Yeah. She hiked up her thing. Yeah, her, no. Her um, leg thing. <laughs> her like, leg thing. Her co- yeah, the garter thing. garter, thingy. yes. Yeah. yeah. And was, she waves her leg. Exactly. Which is this, that was which a is, very big no-no. Yeah. Fun That's fact. like jiggling the... No, jiggling the boobies. <laughs> yeah, of the William day. William Hayes thought that it was the same thing. If anything, it was worse because it implied the bottom half, uh, which is where... Which is where the sin occurs. <laughs> yeah. Where the hazes are made. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. I Wouldn't it be amazing children? if his legacy was to be like named after one of the body parts that he most despised? So what? So so you're saying <laughs> that the act. mid thigh area is now going to be William. known as the haze? That's the haze, yeah. I don't the know hazy about that, spot. bro. Give that him the hazy like shake. A, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, what? Swing and a miss. Oh, <laughs> Have you even watched baseball? No. It's <laughs> 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 like a cartoon baseball game. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, yeah. So what have you got for me? On I mean, I thought that point of view shot stuff. Yeah. It was, was very, quite provocative. Yes, very provocative, and very cutting edge. Yeah. It was considered, I, I mean, and we have to think of it when you are put in the point of view, in that point of view, what does it make the viewer? Who's the viewer right, identifying the with? Exactly. Yeah. And that really was the provocation. Yeah. Because it, Dr. G, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You want to say it now. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, wants you to be put in those shoes and and to that like when Hayes is talking about you no know, sexual perversions like that's a perversion yeah like making me think about having stuff. sex with you exactly and you're well, not my wife or you're not my like yeah my girlfriend. Or, or being identifying with that kind of predator that was the sin of that movie mm, wow and this was one of like if I had to rank these movies yeah and I mean, The Invisible Man is pretty insane, but I do think um, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I would rank as number two. It was What's re- the ranking? I would say, I mean, if we're we, talking about extreme, like what, what was the considered top, the most offensive. Most offensive, okay. It would be Freaks, yeah. Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, The Invisible Man, and The Old Dark House. I wanted us to also watch Dr. X. Uh-huh. But there was Where would you too put many that movies. on the list? If Dr. X was included, I would I think I would actually put that. So it would still be it would be Freaks. Uh-huh. Number one. Number two, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Number three, 
The Invisible Man, number four, Dr. X, and number five, okay, The Old Dark House. Okay, so it House. just slips in towards the bottom. Okay. Yeah, but only because Invisible Man, really, like, I, The Invisible Man is the one that I saw this year. The yeah. rest of these I've seen for quite a bit, but it was the one that I saw the most recently. And it was one where I was like, this is way crazier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, at the beginning, I had the thought, I had a couple of thoughts, one of which was, this story is stupid, you know, like, and Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and how is this going to be entertaining? Like, this is just a story. This is a good movie. Yeah. And, but I think the movie itself almost leans into it because at the beginning, the doc, the doctor is like giving a, oh my God, my calf is cramping up. Oh, <laughs> that's William Hayes in my body. <laughs> Um, Dr. Jekyll is, is giving a lecture about how, oh, if you could only separate the evil from the good in a person or whatever, that would be some amazing triumph and how wonderful that would be. And everyone's like laughing, like that's a stupid idea. And they're, (laughs) cause they're right. It's stupid. It makes no sense at all. Why would like his own theory of how that would bring about some sort of enlightenment just falls apart immediately upon like first question. So I liked that the movie kind of played into like, yeah, that is a dumb idea. Okay. But, and then let's see it happen. You know? Well, remember that I told you, I mean, we always go back to that for like, if we have a law or religion on this podcast, it's the belief that, cultural anxieties manifest on screen right okay and that's why we study the films that we do that's why we study back around we Mm -hmm. read it you know the way that we read it and whatnot so we also have to take that into account with these films and we have to understand we have to remember one this was depression era america Mm -hmm. so there's a strong undercurrent of that in all of these films but two this was also a society that was afraid of investigating the psychological of the darker side and and the darker side and also the threat of science and and what studying science meant bring us yeah Yeah. like doctor i I told you one of the reasons why i wanted to show you dr x is that it specifically implicates that if a murder this heinous were to happen then it could have only happened at the result of science or Uh or having the control i mean that is Frankenstein. Yeah. And, okay. and and 1931's Frankenstein, even though we're not watching it, that is considered one of the most extreme versions. It's one of the most mm. violent. Ver- like he really? kills children in Aha. that one. Yeah. He kills children in Frankenstein. And, um, but Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as well, it just, I, I, I feel like there's an unflinchingness to it. Honestly, I feel like the, the scenes where it's Mr. Hyde yeah. going after the girl. And he looks kind of like a monkey man. Like a wolf man, monkey man type of deal. It's they, actually, they went all out. Well, the reason why I pause on that is it it's a racially codified thing. Okay. It, it is, yeah. you know, and, and, and it is a feral thing. He does yeah, grow hair. He is hair. literally hairy. Yeah. yeah. Cause but, like as someone who also has hair on their hands, yeah. you know, I was like, all yeah. right, it's me, <laughs> Mr. Hyde. Yeah. And uh, Robin Williams, rest in peace. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, 
But yeah, but it was also, you know, it was also racially codified. Yeah, yeah. His, like the fear of the black. Yeah, yeah, the fear exactly. Yeah. And and not only like there were also different ethnic groups uh, lumped into that as well, even yeah. though it was primarily it did uh, seem to be red. Okay. It, it was kind of like Nosferatu. When we were talking about Nosferatu, that when they designed him, uh-huh. it was biting off of a lot of anti-Semitic oh, stereotypes. Okay. Yeah, he was okay. his own monster, but you know these exaggerated features right. had big in hatred gotcha. and that's kind of what 1931's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde did as well mm-hmm. but you know so I, that's something to be aware of yeah. and that's something that uh, I mean was also repeated in other pre-code films of the time with King Kong is technically not a horror film. It, it is a pre-code film. Mm-hmm. And one of that, that has one of the most glaringly obvious racial metaphors of the time. Mm. So, but you know, we would find it offensive now for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But back then, remember, no miscegenation. So this yeah. kind of stuff was more just the threat that that could happen. You know, the like threat this that wild, savage man. Yeah, could. could yeah, yeah, have could have intercourse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a it was a real thing. I think. Um, in addition, the the lead actor in this. His mannerisms, he kills it. Like yes. he, he won an Academy Award for it. Okay, so raise our I think that's, cups. I think yeah, it's well deserved. He every little facial. I mean, sometimes it comes across as silly, but he plays it with such ferocity. And one thing that I think is in common with a couple of these movies is where it can get a little campy, but the lead actor plays it so viciously. Yeah. That I, I can't even it's not even fun sometimes because it's too violent. It's almost too abusive and violent. Yeah. And um and it has a lot of power there where it's like this is kind of scary. Isn't that funny? I feel the same way. And I really think it's the way that they approach these films because I've seen, you know, black and white films, say from the forties or the fifties, like horror films or maybe suspense films. And, you know, they're not bad, but there definitely is a conservatism to them. But the thing that I love about pre-code films is that they really don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think The Old Dark House is probably the safest of all of these, but there are still so many strong situations and personalities in that film that sometimes just make it an uncomfortable, like, you really get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just so impressive. And then it also speaks to the ethos of like the intentions behind these films and really getting the energy off of it and feeling differently. Cause I fully agree. I, you know, this film obviously has a lot of problematic content in it, but it is also such a triumph of filmmaking of its time. And you could see kind of, and, and we watch four films for this, but you can really see how this kind of style could be adapted and was adapted. Mm-hmm. And probably watered down, right? I mean, I could see where yeah. the code so, comes in and then, oh, it's this, then it just leans into the camp or the silliness or exactly. some other storyline. That, that happened to the evolution. That's why the evolution, it gets sillier. Frankenstein's not killing children anymore. Yeah, no. Come on. I mean, so... <laughs> Two fun facts. The Frankenstein, it was re-released after the code. Okay. And all of the scenes killing children were cut. 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was re-released after the code two in 1936 and nine minutes had wow. to be cut out. Nine sultry, sinful minutes. Nine minutes. Man. Yeah. So I want to watch those nine minutes just straight up. <laughs> just give me the I wonder what cut. that would have been. Yeah. Cause they must've cut some violence too. And some, Oh Yeah. Yeah, Which because would have just those, cut the whole power of the movie, probably. The room, yeah, those room scenes, like the one with him and the lady of the night, mm-hmm. they were really they were intense. Bad. He was no, a bad man. He was bad. Yeah. Like you realize, what they, they really show you a lot yeah. in a way. Like they show you up to pretty much the act. And it's just uh-huh. like, you know that there's no ambiguity after that. And it almost makes it more bleak. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah. Powerful stuff. Did you get any like visual references or? Well, you you got the POV stuff. Yeah. Did anything remind you of anything? You know, I'm I am not as knowledgeable on these <laughs> film topics, but um, the only other thing stood out that stood out to me was looking back through my notes. Um. Uh, not from a visual perspective, I don't think. Okay. Anything in general? Uh, I or, like the ending. Yeah. Um, and I and I felt like the horror to me, what I was getting was that the horror, uh, the cultural anxiety was that this evil inside of you that you could be, um, and like you were saying with science, you could yeah, it, it could elevate your right? primal terrible um part inside of you though that wants to secretly kill people and rape people and all these things yeah yeah and it was really played terrifyingly no you got it yeah and also hilariously because it's hard to take him seriously he looked kind of silly yeah this is a fun movie to watch like like every single time i i watch bits of it it's just uh, even the darker parts it's just interesting to watch and the special effects in this film yes. were so advanced. Fun, Rob, good. Ruben, I don't know why I keep saying Robert. Ruben kept it a secret until like the 50s. About how they did it? About how he did it. And I still don't fully understand, but it had to do with color contrasting makeup that when exposed to the light, oh, it would change color. Like, so he must have just changed the lighting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that color yeah, yeah, business. Yeah. And, and he said that he had to put filters in front of the film uh-huh. every single... And then I was like, damn, but that's still like... It worked. It worked. It was super cool. And we're going to learn more with The Invisible Man as well. The Invisible Man's effects were, were pretty dope too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think that covers most of Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Yeah. Jekyll. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Jekyll. One of my favorite acted films. Um, it's a little know. disappointing that Jekyll is pronounced that way, but Hyde is still Hyde. Yeah, that's why it's fake. <laughs> All right, okay. So up next is the old dark house. Well, I'm gonna take my house to the old dark I'm house. I'm My own view is we're not on a map. Oh, look, Phil, light, light, pull in there. Knock again, louder. I should have thought that was loud enough to wake the dead. 
Barney Morgan. Let them in. I'm sorry to barge in on you like this, but <laughs> needs must when the devil drives. <laughs> you will have to stay here. The misfortune is yours. He's alive! He's alive, I tell you. You're afraid, aren't you? You don't seem to understand. We may be cut off. There's a madman upstairs. Morgan's let him out and he's dangerous. We've got to do something. He just wants to destroy. Oh! To kill. a bit of The Old Dark House, directed by James Whale, released in 1932. James Whale, huh? Yeah. Do you want to give them what it's about? Yeah. This is a story that opens up on a rainy, cold, dark, rainy, stormy night, which you love to see. Over at Frankenstein's castle. Right. A very Rocky Horror picture show. This is intro. what Rocky Horror is biting Based off on, of. Biting yes. off of? Yes. So that was really fun to see. Um, so yeah, it's like a couple and they're looking for something. And there's like this weird stoner guy in the backseat <laughs> named yeah. Mr. Pendleton. Mr. Pendleton. Yeah, Pendrel. something like that. Pendrel. I don't know. Um, and he's kind of funny and they're all freaking out. Because they're, there's like an avalanche and they're stuck <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they have to go to this spooky haunted house, this Scooby-Doo house. Um, and it's wet and they go in and of course it's spooky. And there's an old lady who owns the place and an old man. And that's where their adventure begins. This old dark house. Yeah. Yeah. So the old dark house it is... Uh, one of the many films that James Whale direct, directed during this time. And James Whale is probably the most famous pre-code director. He is also a highly interesting figure because he was an openly gay director at that. Wow. He did not hide it. He imbued it a lot in his films, The Old Dark House being one of them. Oftentimes people consider The Old Dark House being the first American film to have homosexual undertones. Hmm. So Between, betwixt whom? Do you want to guess or do you want me? Uh, no, nah, just hit me straight up with it. Okay. Well, the relationship between, it, it's mainly the objection is is embedded in the family that resides in the old dark house, specifically the sister. And I think the wife, when she's watching her undress, that was very uncommon back then for women to be in the same room watching the other one get undressed. Mm. And if you pay attention to the dialogue in that scene as well, she's talking about her body and, and critiquing. And, and like, now who is it? Which two characters? This is the old, the, the, the old the, lady of the house? Yeah, yeah, the sister. The sister. Yeah, I think her name was Rebecca, wasn't it? And and who? 
And the lady and the, that's changing in the room? Yeah, the woman is changing in the With room. The, there's like such a huge age difference there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, it's I not, thought it was supposed like to be more sexual... like an uncomfortable, like, I'm a creepy old lady. I will not so leave you we alone. we read it this way, yeah. right? Okay. And I would agree. But back then, it wasn't viewed that hmm. way. It okay. was just kind of, because to me, it, it felt, it feels more like a jealousy thing. Yeah. But we also yeah. have to remember that we're viewing it through a modern lens. Yeah. Okay. And huh. back then. And they were like, wow. Back then they were, they thought it was weird. They were yeah, like, this, like, this is sexual, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Maybe it was and I mean, obviously, for- yeah. I mean, we also have to understand, and this is something that's very true mm-hmm. that people have on retrospectively of um, James Whale's career. A lot of people pick up on these scenes and are like, oh, we think he's trying to say this yeah. because he was gay. Uh-huh. So um, there could be. Which ambiguity. could be. Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Could but go either way. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I think the other one might be a little bit more explicit, and that is at the end when Boris Karloff's uh, character carries out the dude on his shoulders. Uh-huh. That really wasn't common for men to, to carry be, other exactly. In, men. It, it, it felt. I know it's kind of like fellas. Is it gay to save yeah, your brother? Yes, <laughs> but I mean that's what the thirties were. Like, you know, but, yeah. but for real, that's what the thirties were. Is it they gay were to like save fellas from a haunted mansion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the other one, and that one. William I, Hayes I, was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's. That's seriously wow, what they, that was and the that one from. I I do agree is very intentional. Okay. Um. The you know I, what, I well, can you, see the other one as well because James Whale was yeah. British, and that kind of is a very British belief that oh, British ladies don't watch other British. You know, no matter really? the age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's one thing I picked up. What? At one point, Mister Pendrel, who's like this, he said he's gay, right? Is that what you're about to say? No. Okay. The smooth talking, like funny guy ha 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 this one woman just like who comes to the house absolutely just falls in love with him and right and oh this was a good looking guy not the old guy no not the old guy i'm talking about mr pendrill the guy who at the beginning i thought was a stoner because he's just like chilling in the back like lying on his back like ha 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 yeah um so he so at one point in the movie like this drunk couple comes to the mansion to the house and they're like ah we're drunk uh we need a place to stay because yeah. there's an avalanche and the woman it's a woman and a rich man and they're like kind of a couple they came as a couple like it'd be like if they came to the, your party you know you're like okay they're a couple but mr pendril smooth talking pendril um steals steals his his woman and like so much so that they have like a serious conversation about it. And he's like, listen, I'm kind of going to ask this woman to be my wife or something, even though we just met like at this literal like hours yeah. ago. Um, and they have this conversation. And I remember thinking like this, they were like cool about it. Yeah. After, even afterwards, it was like the chillest, broiest, like, hey, bro, you know, yeah, man, just like whatever makes you happy, dude. Yeah. Like, like this man just stole your girl. <laughs> And but and you're chill. And it was actually nice to see that 
But, um, it, but it felt I mean, very he admitted that it was kind of like a companionship kind of thing. That was also. That's I think an, he was saying that to kind of protect himself a little bit. You yeah, know? it still hurts when you come to the party with somebody and then they leave was married to somebody else. I, I think Mr. Pendrel, a I freaking smooth talker. This might be a Rorschach moment for okay. you, uh-huh. where you're like, "Damn, man, why why you gotta do it like and that?" You might be right. But um, hey, I respect it. But that's but actually that's why I thought it was interesting that they were so cool with each other. I was like, man, they're just chill. <laughs> just a couple chill bros. Um, I liked the rich man character too. I I thought they did a great job. I usually you don't you're not supposed to like the rich guy, right? But he had kind of a cool story, and he was sympathetic, and he was kind of funny. I liked him. Yeah, you like his him. his like old his story of riches was that he was dating a woman his the love of his life, but she and he bought her like a cotton dress. Or she had a cotton dress, and he thinks that she killed herself because um, it wasn't fancy enough. And all the other ladies laughed at her cotton dress. Yeah, I know that was a bleak story. And I was like, I was like, oh man, <laughs> if only that dress was made of a different material. Right? She would still be here and you wouldn't be this like arrogant rich guy. No, yeah. yeah. It was, it, it's an interesting film. I, I mean, the, one of the main reasons I chose it is because it is so heavily parodied and most yes. famously parodied with Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. especially. So it's kind of interesting to see the car, the, the blueprint. Where it came from. Yeah, where it it's, came from. It's the, the, yeah, the blueprint. And this, it, this, this film definitely like references a lot of, oh, you know, it's something that we didn't do for, well, no, we kind of went over it. What do you think is pre-code about this film, about The Old Dark House? Like what felt taboo or what felt Hmm. controversial? I'm sure there was something in the moment when I was watching it, but it's not like Dr. Jekyll where I can like immediately tell you. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, well, a lot of it is also just like, things that they talk about right and i mean a lot of it is the you know no matter what the the changing scene with the woman that would be viewed as a break of the code whether it was implying homosexuality or not just because it was one implying nudity and two it was someone else watching that nudity like voyeurism wasn't uh something to be promoted in these films Mm -hmm. so yeah, The Old Dark House is kind of like one of those movies where it's just like an hour of people talking shit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's how that's what I feel like that movie is like. But you also just see how like these conversations were really just all about like this depravity in a way. And you know, if we're talking about you know what cultural anxieties are being represented you know where we have talks of shame we have talks of you know marriage we have talks of what's good for the family what who is considered quote-unquote insane or not you know uh so it's like it's almost like a microcosm of many different problems that were present in society in a way mm-hmm. and um it's a it's an interesting film. Yeah. For sure. So, and there's like a Frankenstein kind of type of character and he's actually Boris played Karloff. by the same person, right? Yeah. Boris Karloff. Do you think he put enough of a spin on it that it wasn't just like, oh, here's Frankenstein? 
Well, I don't was think... Was there enough difference there? There, I mean, remember James Whale directed Frankenstein, so oh, <laughs> you also yeah. have that there. But you also have, like, that That was Boris Karloff's demeanor. You know, that's what he was known No way, known. like... In real IRL, I mean, he was walking around like, Well, no, I mean, especially in cinema, you know, like he also did Black Sabbath, I think it was, and he plays another like slower, you know, slow guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was also in the Island of of Lost Souls, and he also plays a similar. So, like, that was. So he's just a lumbering. That's he's your lumbering guy. No, yeah, that he was like Bela Lugosi was. The Dracula, he was a hot one. He's who you wanted to cast if you needed your villain to be smoldering. Yeah. And I mean, I think Bella Lugosi was also Wolfman. And when he played Wolfman, he was kind of like sexy Wolfman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You cast Boris Karloff when you needed something brooding, uh-huh. lumbering. So, like, I think that's just you picking up on, like, the iconery okay. of that okay. person. Though, absolutely agreed. I think... It definitely, I mean, people were, were typecasted for a reason. So you're not wrong. Yeah. You know, it's definitely a callback of some sort. Did this make you, I, I was watching this. I was like, wait a second. When did like Adam's family come around? You know, like, yeah. do, do you think that influenced? I, I just did a quick wiki check on Adam's family. And I didn't see anything about it, but because it's a weird, strange family in a macabre mansion. Um, so yeah, this, this movie I can see really making an impact and culturally having a lot of vibrations. Well, where do you think it, where do you think it gained a lot of that look? Like, does the look of the old dark house remind you of anything you had seen before? Huh. Is this German expressionism? Is that where you're going? Really? Which one? I mean, just like, you know, if we think back to Caligari or, uh, you know, the really, or Nosferatu Mm -hmm. with those Gothic mansions on these like steep angular hills and all of these dark shadows. I mean, it's not a complete bite, obviously, because German expressionism was very contrasted, but it was calling from somewhere. Mm, okay. And James Whale, British, friends with German expressionists, it it there definitely was that connection there. They were advisors on these films. They were trying to create a brand of American dread because again, remember, horror films really didn't exist until this kind of like free-for-all code era. Yeah. And um, and I think you can see that at least here. I, even though I don't think it's nowhere near as salacious as any of the other films we saw. Yeah. It definitely talks about those subjects with frankness because uh, yeah. Yeah, there's just as you said, there's just like so it's just conversation on conversation on conversation in a way. Mm-hmm. Um with like some kind of weird stuff happening but then, in yeah, between. Yeah, but then there is some tension and some violence and some yeah suspense right yeah. it's not just a lot of different yeah. dialogues yeah um and but- there is probably i think the biggest code break in the entire movie oh is that everyone spends the night together <laughs> okay can't do that <laughs> not in the code no bible count uh, only afternoons or mornings <laughs> no overnight stays and there's dr- uh alcohol there's oh, some drinking, yeah. drinking yeah. in oh, the old yeah. shed oh, yeah. or something oh, yeah. of that nature. Damn, you remembered that. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. that's true. Yeah. It should no alcohol or drugs. Yes. Probably some drugs in there too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, a shadowy puppet scene too, which was weird. Yeah. There, one scene I want to shout out because the actor was almost certainly risking injury to, to shoot this <laughs> was it was like pouring rain and like an impressively oh, rainy shot. Yeah. And I think it was Mr. Pendleton is somebody's carrying a woman up the stairs, like up stone stairs in the pouring rain and he stumbles and falls, but they like, they just keep rolling and they use it in the movie. And, it, but like, it was just, it looks so hazardous. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. it was the smallest thing, but I was like, ow. <laughs> yeah. And that could have like, you could have killed, I mean, probably not killed, but you could have like pretty bleak broke a hip. Yeah, no. Filming that scene. No, you're not wrong. But so, back then, you just had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like run yeah. up the stone steps carrying oh a human gosh. being. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Old Dark House. It's a. Uh, it's an interesting Code, one. What, what do you think approved. of it? Not approved. Oh, okay. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I think it's most interesting and important as that like first. Like this is what influenced Rocky Horror Everything. Picture Show, yeah. and maybe every yeah. haunted house yeah. movie since yeah. then or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it did. Yeah. yeah, basically. So it is interesting to see uh, the blueprint, and also I do absolutely believe that though there is some queer coding present in this yeah. at least, and there was no one else doing it at the time. This is really one of the first instances. So really? it is. Yes. Yeah. So it is really great to see how that, that would then, appears. Yeah. One more thing, just as a warning, oh. if you go to a party oh. and you see Mr. Pendleton, oh no, hide your girl. Okay, <laughs> do not let her near him. Oh my god! I feel like you night, have beef with him. You now. will be having a conversation <laughs> about how he's they're in love and they're you know. Oh, yeah. Okay, you have right. to pretend right. like the other guy did that he didn't really care. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> trust me, I've been there. <laughs> are you ready to get into some freaks? Some freaky action, yeah, respectfully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> folks we told you we had living breathing monstrosities you laughed at them shuddered at them and yet but for the accident of birth you might be even as they are they did not ask to be brought into the world but into the world they came their code is a law unto themselves Offend one, and you offend them all. And now, folks, if you'll just step this way, you are about to witness the most amazing, the most astounding living monstrosity of all time. Friends, she was once a beautiful woman. A royal prince shot himself for love of her. She was known as the peacock of the air. Oh, 
Freaks is the movie that you just heard with your ears. It was released in 1932 by Todd Browning, whose first pre-code film was the prequel to Freaks. Dracula. Dracula. 1931's Dracula. So he was already, you know, proven hit and the interesting thing about Todd Browning, remember that I told you that the rest of these directors had come up through the theater? Yes. Yes. So Todd Browning did do some of that, but Todd Browning actually had come from carnivals. Oh, cool. He had been touring with carnivals growing up. and What he, did he do with them? He, I think he was just one of the like crew members. A hanger on? Well, I think like a multi-purpose stagehand, okay. you know, yeah. definitely something with the stage. But like he had he, he he had lived kind of in that circus, quote unquote, uh -huh. freak world. Um, a lot of his contacts were contacts that he had kept mm. from that time. And so because Dracula had been such a success and because everyone was so pleased with Browning's work yeah. so far, they were like, OK, you Get to direct what you want to direct wow. now. They and gave him the passion project. Yeah. So Freaks was the passion project. Cool. And it ended up ending his career. No. Essentially. No. <laughs> yeah. It was. So this is considered one of not only the most controversial pre-code film. I think it's easily the most controversial pre-code film, but it's also easily one of the most controversial films of all time because it really exploited vulnerable people. I mean, us looking back on it now, mm -hmm. we see it as clear exploitation and things that people could be in jail for well, today. Well, I will just to throw in, for me, it was unclear. I wasn't sure... It almost like I was seeing, and you're probably going to get into this, but I felt like I was watching somebody trying not to be exploitative, but being exploitative. Yes, yeah. basically. Yeah. Because Todd Browning definitely, I mean, Todd Browning treated the quote unquote freaks because these were all, everyone that you saw in the film really did have. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Absolutely everyone. Down to the intersex person all the way to uh, the 
the dwarfs, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So everyone in the movie really did come from the circus life. I think the dwarf is the only one that was kind of like a working actor. Okay. But I mean, he was working. um, Yeah, the lead. Yeah. 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 And so um, I definitely agree with you that Freaks does feel like a story written to empower the disempowered. But it also, I mean, the freaks were treated like freaks on set. They had to eat separately. Really? Separately from? Separately from everyone else. Todd Browning, they said, always treated them with respect but yeah it, it's not something that i mean todd browning wasn't overseeing every step of production you know what i mean and also you know it, it just wasn't enough and so it was highly um expectative and so we look back on that now but back in the day the more controversial thing about it was the very fact that anyone would dare film these people yeah that was the main controversy back the, the then. controversy was the quote unquote freaks themselves, like their bodies and their, their existence on the yeah. screen. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that was, that was morally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That you would promote that, I get. Exactly. The original cut of this movie that tells the whole story is 90 minutes and it's been lost. Really? I was going to say, does that the, the one we code, watched? No. We watched the 67-minute version. Oh, the, yes, we did. The very first uh, cut of this film does not exist because it was just that offensive. So you know that I told you that, like, and so and that was, this was before the code was enacted. Yeah. So the code did exist, but overall, this movie was just so offensive on all fronts that they couldn't really turn a blind eye. It was just kind of like no one wants to play this film because it, it is so too, obscene to too, us. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, too hot to handle. Too hot to handle. And so what did you think about the movie overall? Well, like I said, there was... It really felt like a disrespectful movie trying to be respectful and maybe at the time and maybe I could see how you could see it either way. But so kind of just putting that on the shelf for a moment. Yeah. Um, well, they, they did like an intro in the version we saw where there's like scrolling yes. text, right? Yes. Explaining what you're about to see. Yes. And it was. And they had to do that because of the code. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that itself was like bad bad activism it's like they're trying to be you know lift them up and be respectful but then at the same time it's like there's they they use the the phrase blunders of nature and i was like oh my god this is <laughs> like there's just some vocabulary in there that just it was clearly written by somebody who was an you know a, not one of the those people um Written by able-bodied, I guess. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I have a couple of thoughts about it. Okay. Um, I couldn't, it was like every single punchline, I could not make out. Yeah. Like the audio was like a little muffled or maybe the microphones weren't picking people up or something about the audio. Like I needed subtitles bad for this movie. <laughs> Yeah. I, every single 
that that was tough. Um, I in my notes I have I don't think I've ever understood a movie less. <laughs> like I just couldn't scene to scene. I was like I don't know what what was just said. Um, pretty devastating story where um, I guess the dwarf man is. Um, so is he is is the the woman that he's with at, at the beginning yeah. is that his girlfriend? Yeah, who's also a dwarf or something. They have the same genetic thing, and he his the whole movie is he wants to be with Cleopatra, I believe. Yeah, who's this like hot smoking? Able-bodied. Able-bodied woman. Yeah. Um, who is a B-I-T-C-H. Like, she just wants to make fun of him and lead him on and ha, 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 ha. And she's with Hercules, I think. Yeah. This, like, guy who's just, like, moderately strong and a dick. Um, so the whole story is basically he wants to be with her and she kind of leads him on. But she's just tricking him and yeah right yeah that's kind of the the motivating yeah and and then the but and they treat the the quote-unquote freaks Uh like shit yeah (laughs) yeah they do and they yeah and and then the freaks begin to revolt Uh against them yes so especially in the 90 minutes version there was a lot more of the freaks revolt and that was considered the offensive part yeah Yeah. oh man that would have been the good stuff yeah that would have been the good stuff um as a american horror story fan um i recognized right away also that just like the previous movie we talked about in Rocky Horror Picture Show, the American Horror Story uh, Freaks yeah. season was like completely inspired and yes. taken and see even the entire scenes of that show. Yes. Yeah. So that was cool as a fan of that It is very series. highly influential now. Is it? Freaks is, I mean, it, because it's kind of, well, you have to think about it. Like, you know, all those effing like shock cinema, you know, like, Slalom? Is that what they call him? Asylum? No. 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 Slalom? Yeah. Slalom. You know what movie I'm talking about? I don't know what I've just said. Cannibal Holocaust. You know, those kind of movies, like those shock cinema movies, because they did illegal things that wouldn't be able to do now. That's kind of what Freaks was the very first thing of, you know what I mean? Like having... Uh, carnivals, sideshow, circus, quote unquote, freaks in your movie, even though you segregated them, the very fact that you would just even let them on set to be around, quote unquote, normal people, like that's how deeply entrenched those prejudices were, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the saddest character in the whole, well, there's a couple sad characters in the whole movie is... One of which is the the woman, the dwarf woman. Um, because Frida. She, Frida. She just gets left for some able-bodied biatch. Yeah. And then at the end, it's supposed to be like, I guess, a feel-good ending. Because after, I forget, did she, oh yeah. We, well, I don't want to, well, I guess we could spoil what happens yeah, to her, right? Yeah, these movies are 100 years old. Yeah, so 
She, which I think this this part, I felt like I'd never seen an old movie with such a shocking ending <laughs> where the the bad lady, yeah. they turn her into a freak, yeah. right? They like chop off her, maybe her arms and legs yeah. or something and like make her into a chicken lady. That was insane. But who I think is an even sadder character is the dwarf <laughs> woman afterwards. Like they, they trot her back to like get back with the dwarf guy. You know, know, like, oh, he, he like left you. And all this as an idiot. bad shit happened. But hey. Yeah, but hey. Get him back. This is, yeah. Aren't you so happy? <laughs> this piece of shit. <laughs> Here, marry this piece of shit. Oh my um, God. No, but that's totally it. Yeah. 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 No. Really fascinating movie, though. It really is. You can tell it is. I think you can tell that it's by someone who does have a respect for performers because there are these moments where you're almost just seeing people perform. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, he wanted to do this film. And so even it it was a big flop when it came out. Yeah. 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 Right now it has, you know, a highly cult status considered one of the most renowned films of all time. But, um, and the immediate release, I mean, it was censored. It was banned in the UK. I don't UK. even know how you could censor this. You'd have to just not yeah. show it, like which is, I yeah. guess, probably what they did for yeah. most theaters. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we're talking about cultural anxieties, this is a movie that is a straight, like, allegory for the Great Depression. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was all about these working class people that are being exploited at what cost, you know, like, like to no uh, to no other cost. And, mm-hmm. and so they have to revolt in any, in, in a way, you know, you're reminded of um, Metropolis, remember Metropolis. Yeah. And so it's for sure. Like one of the most, regardless of it being pre-code or not, it's mm-hmm. just a fascinating film yeah. even to imagine about how it got made because you then have to think after that you don't really hear of films like that ever being made again mm-hmm. one because it is exploitative you know mm-hmm. if you are to involve people that have different abilities then you no know, you compensate them just like everyone else you mm-hmm. they are they have access to the same facilities yeah. but either way even like movies made about circus acts after the fact did it via makeup they didn't try and go find and use the people yeah exactly yeah and so it's um it's it's interesting to note you yeah. know because I guess um, I would watch a movie about the movie. I would read a book about the movie. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, I would for read sure. Wikipedia about the movie for sure, which is the lower of the <laughs> which is just on that one. it pretty much. Yeah, no, but pretty much. Probably what hap- this is people's favorite movie to talk about. Some people because it's probably got so much yeah going on in it. Yeah, exactly. And but the interesting thing that happened is. This basically killed Todd Browning's yeah. career. So, do, what do you mean by that? Well, it was a critical and commercial failure. Um, after that, he was no longer able to direct anything he requested. So he was just given films and he never was able to really like come out from under it. Yeah. You know, he only made uh, four more films after hmm. that. Wow. Yeah. Do they make him do like Dracula Goes to the Beach or something? The last... his. 
final four movies. So he did Freaks in 32. Then he did Fast Workers, Mark of the Vampire, The Devil Doll, and Miracle's First Sale. And Miracle's First Sale was released in 1939. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, and he died in 1962. So he didn't work for the last uh, 20 years of his life. He just kind of disappeared. Interesting. Yeah, all for freaks, which he fought to have. Yeah. They were going to give him a different film. Uh, I forget which, but I think it was a film. I forget. But yeah, he was um, supposed to do another film, but he was like, no, I want to do um, freaks. Yeah. Because it is. I think, I think there is a lesson there. Follow your heart. Even if it crashes and burns at the time, people might be talking about you 100 years later. Yeah, yeah. As as you said, I mean, basically getting uh, an American Horror Story homage is as high as it gets. Highest compliment, yes. (laughs) And I think one of the best seasons. Yeah, for. Oh, he was supposed to direct Arsene Lupin, which Mm. I actually don't know what that is. Yeah, sounds a little hoity toity. I think Freaks was a good choice. Yeah. He tried his best, maybe. He tried his best. He could have done better. Yeah. But I guess an effort was made. An effort was made. Put the stamp on it. Boom. Boom. All right. Are we already on the last one? I think so. We're ready for him who you cannot see. So we're going back to James Whale. Let's remove the bandage. This movie was so weird. You know what? I I think The Invisible Man was the weirdest of them all. Really? Yeah. Freaks is definitely something, but The Invisible Man, I just like, we're going to talk about, okay, we'll be back. Let's do it. Keep back, you kids there. Yeah, what's all this? Keep back there. Keep back, me? Do you know who you're talking to? I give you a last chance to leave me alone. Give me a last chance. You've committed assault, this when you've done, and you can come along to the station with me. Come along now, come quietly, unless you want me to put the handcuffs on. Stop where you are. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, all right. Come on. Get hold of him. Lock him up. All right, you Fools, you've brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. There's a souvenir for you. And one for you. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> Look, he's all eaten away. Huh? How do you like that, eh? <laughs> it was horrible. Well, Jaffers, what do you think? He's invisible. This was the matter with him. If he gets the rest of them clothes off, we'll never catch him in a thousand years. Come on. 
They've asked for it, the country bumpkins. This will give them a bit of a shock. Something to write home about. Nice bedtime story for the kids, too, if they want it. Off. I can I ink up a blooming shirt. Quick, get out of him! All right, and that was a bit of The Invisible Man, the 1933 version directed by our good friend James Whale. He comes back for another one. Uh, yeah, he came back for many. Uh, Remember, many, okay. He did Frankenstein, he did... He was a very prolific man. He did not make the same mistake that the previous director that we just talked about did. He, you think he treated everyone with respect? Oh, no. I, I'm talking about career-wise. He had a he had a bigger career. Anyways. Well, he did, but actually to bring it up to fun fact uh-huh. time, he did have a successful career, but... Things kind of became more conservative in Hollywood, Mm. especially with the rise of Nazi Germany. It became kind of this thing where a lot of people say his open homosexuality is what ended his career. It was almost like he could flourish in the 20s and 30s because it was kind of like a godless time. It really was. But as war efforts got a lot more serious, it was like... You know, there there wasn't a space as much for him anymore. Yeah. But yeah, he did have a much more respected career. And I definitely think that he's easily the most iconic of, I mean, at least the most consistent, you know? I mean, that's FN, The Old Dark House, Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man. Those yeah. are three super iconic films. And mm-hmm. that's just a small bit of them. He has uh, Moors. Yeah. <laughs> Moors, yeah. This, this film to me and Dr. Jekyll combine as one because they are both so similar in the way that the main character is this monster and this evil within and that's brought about by science. You know, there are so many similarities here. This one's not as sexy. Sorry to say. (laughs) It is more depraved in a way because... He's just like with his full chest out here being like, man, fuck this baby. I'm going to kill it. I want to kill everyone. I won't kill you because I want to rule the world with you. But you're going to do this. And I'm not going to give you incentive to do this. But you're going to do it because I need it. And I'm powerful. I'm I'm invisible sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He like throws stuff around the room. Oh, my God. It's it's so funny yeah this movie was like really funny to me you thought so what did you think i my first note was like they they open up in a bar yeah and it's a bar scene and there's like these everyone has a different accent yeah oh yeah the woman is a banshee yeah like literally i mean she did you not hear her screeching oh oh yeah like the women's the women's roles are were te- were in my opinion terrible or just oh, like beyond. so overacted yeah. that it was. But my first note was like the the first scene was all these jokes at the bar, like it's some joke with throwing darts and some yeah. joke with the player piano, and I was like, these jokes are so stupid, <laughs> um, and unrealistic. Like all the everyone at the bar would be laughing at the same effing joke that they've seen like a thousand times before. But um, 
it it had these it had more weird tones where it was like was funny slapstick funny and yeah. then but then also brutally Dark. aggressive and dark yeah because yeah, the invisible he really man does kill a baby <laughs> he does he kill a baby he flips the stroller over and oh lol <laughs> that's why i said i should have paid closer that, attention to that this man is the pro-abortion movie because it was like why? fuck this baby oh yeah okay okay I okay i screamed because i was like Wait, there was a because then Amazing. the mom goes insane, and I'm like, wait, oh my god, are we god. supposed to like he killed that baby? Yes, yeah. So, so it, it's like there's jokey parts, and then there's deadly like yeah. I mean, seri- this whole manifesto is it's very uh, you know, school like very scary. super villainy. Well, yeah. I thought I I was like, this is refreshing because. Today, when we see a movie like this, it's like the tortured individual and the gray morality, and we're supposed to like sympathize. And but this was just like <laughs> this man wants to flip children and take over the world, and like go, like he's like off to the races, you know. And that's just like sure, oh all right, buckle up, and let's yeah, watch this guy like, f stuff up in black do and white. Like, a radio announcement, right? Yes. Where they're like, there's this invisible man on the loose. Good luck, everyone. Yeah. And my favorite is when they're like, Please, if you if you have any ideas of how to call the, the how to catch the invisible man, please call our call local sheriff's office. And then there's these scenes of people being like, I don't know, like spray water in the air, and when he comes down, you'll hit him. And... Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I have major beef with one logic. I got this. Be- okay. Same. Okay, Same. I'm gonna tell you mine. Okay. Why in the fuck does food show up but not poop? Food shows up but not poop. Yeah, because remember he's That's like. That's a good point. That's a good point. So how does he poop? No, 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 Where would no. that even Obviously go? Obviously, he poops. No, but he says. Yeah. Remember when when he's telling, I think, his assistant. Yeah, like, all hey, the tricks. Like, yeah, all the tricks. He's like, but listen, uh, whenever we eat when we're invisible, the food will be visible. So we have to lay low after we eat. Oh, and it just got yes. me to thinking that I'm like, I mean, but then the food becomes shit. So wouldn't I be able to see yeah. your shit? Oh, Wow. That's right. pretty mind blowing. Okay, good, ob- right. good observation. Okay, good okay, observation. Okay. Yes, what, what, you are correct. What, what beef do you have? My beef is just like uh, we. So let's establish together <laughs> that the man is invisible, yes. but he can be grabbed, right? I because he's he's so. running around willy nilly, like pulling people's pants down and blinking yeah. people in the nose and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like. He can be, he's a physical presence yes. that can be grabbed. Yeah. So my main beef is that he, they would have <laughs> caught him like way earlier in this movie. You think so? Yeah. He's just not that, to just straight up be invisible <laughs> and act as wild as he did, he would be caught so quickly. He, and and uh, they would have had him. Yeah. At one point, they, they like all lock arms and walk clo- like slowly in a circle and closing and closing and closing. And then he grabs someone from the by the feet and like spins them around in the air. And I'm just thinking, 
tackle him. He's right there. You know exactly where he is. Like, and it, but every time he does anything, everyone's like, ah, and they're so shocked that they just they can't possibly tackle him. That's that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know if it's. I think it's. I mean, it makes at least. In the 2020 version, which I saw. So you have seen the 2020 version? I did see the 2020 version. He is some, like, that's how you kill him. He, you do grab what? him. It's you, by literally just grabbing him. Well, and, yeah. I mean, you have to. And then it, you can kill him. Well, in the, the, the 2020 version modernized it so uh-huh. it's realistic, you know, quote unquote. Which, how so? so? It, it's like this mechanical suit made of many cameras that so oh. obviously that's not possible, but it is kind of the most scientific way to explain gotcha. it, right? Yeah. I put on this they do camera like the suit. Popular mechanics article. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a suit that she had to like well, Pierce. she could destroy it in order to find him. But okay. what I'm saying is that he didn't like disappear, disappear, you know? He was a physical presence. Uh-huh. But I don't know if maybe, um, I mean, you know, I never saw the Kevin Bacon version. Did you? If I did, it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it was like 2000. I, like years. So I don't yeah. remember. How, I, but I think he's supposed to be corporal okay. or corporeal. Corporeal. How, oh, yeah. how, corporal. I think you may have got it on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so he, um, oh, interesting. Because yeah. I almost think corporeal would be the the better power. If you could shift back and forth. Yeah. Because then you just don't get That's caught. Yeah, you know? obviously. Otherwise, you just bump into someone. You just run no, out obviously. of space. I mean, yeah, that's even the Harry Potter logic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. You make points, Ben. All right. So we've, we've you know, poked a couple holes here, but... It is Why is this movie crazy. significant? What? I mean, it, it's one of the Universal Monster movies. So okay. we did... Did we do any... This is, I think, the only Universal Monster movie we looked at. Actually, if you don't include Mr. Hyde, I don't think that's does. a no, yeah, because that's yeah. a Stevenson, that's you, a you Robert li- Louis Stevenson adaptation. Okay, uh, so this is our first Universal monster movie. Well, Dracula was the first Universal monster movie, okay, but this, but is, this is the one that pods. we watch for this, gotcha, <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So it, it is one of the monster movies, yeah, uh, and it is just shot impeccably well as well like i was reading into all the different tricks like sometimes it was wire sometimes it was literally camera tricks like there's a supposedly continuity error when Uh he's walking in the snow yeah you can kind of see a bit of his cloak supposedly lift up Um, but it, it was i mean still for the time it's so impressive here's another hole to punch what? He's not. He's supposed to be naked, right? Right. His footprints are shoe prints. Yeah. Yeah, not feet prints. But is that too much of a difference? I don't know. Do we have any trackers that listen to this podcast <laughs> I mean, that can let us know? Oh my god! Hit me up on. We didn't get Quintopial. like a close up. Uh, it was enough that I was like. Those look like shoes. Oh, it's like a shell. <laughs> I'm like, sorry to burst your bubble. Sorry. <laughs> but a guy from 100 years in the future looks down upon this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, well, why do you think this film was so controversial? Because the pre-code bad guy film. was bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He was like, he was Hyde's, real bad. Yeah. He was so Nightmare. Bad. Yeah. He just ran around doing bad stuff. Yeah. And there was no morality yeah, no more. He just said that he wanted to kill for fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't give enough. Yeah, he wanted to be king of the world. Yeah. Um, 
I liked the commitment to his invisibleness and how it, in the very last scene, you know, they shoot him eventually and he's in the hospital, like sick, about to die. And, the, and you know, they go in with the camera and there's no one in the bed because he's invisible. Yeah. But there's like maybe like some, the sheets. There's like the impression on the sheets. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, yes, thank you. Because as they were going to I was like, please be invisible. Please be invisible. Please be invisible. They just walk up to an empty bed. And sure enough, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> I love the. Yeah, no, I. Uh, this movie was fun. It was depraved. It was. But it was. It was fun in a way that some of the other films, like Freaks is depressing. The Old Dark House is a bit tedious, in my opinion. Okay, okay. Um, And then Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I wouldn't call fun, but I would call interesting. Yeah. Whereas Invisible Man, I generally feel like it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're a little little deprived yourself. (laughs) I I think... You mean depraved? Maniacal is the word I think of, of with with this invisible man okay and yeah but he was such like a joke this is the frankenstein killing children version of the invisible man i think oh yeah there's nothing Hello, like family he kills a baby fr- there's nothing family friendly about him yeah so literally the the kid killing version yeah um yeah so really cool that these iconic <laughs> horror movie uh images come from such brutal dark roots <laughs> yeah i mean so 1934 was the last of these movies when they came out before the code was enacted yeah and that was sort of the end of the you know salacious era in a yeah. way but it's a it's significant it's, it's its own complete different thing it's a pre-code mm-hmm. era film it'll probably be never replicated again, obviously. And it's really interesting. Well, what part of it isn't replicated? Because we got violence now. We've got sex, you know. So what What do you mean when you as say in, that? As in, it was made as a response to something that was about to really? happen. So, like like, like this, this set of rules that yeah. you better get these films out of you really? now. Yeah. So they Bef- knew the clock was ticking. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, nowadays, what replaced essentially the production code was the MPAA. Mm-hmm. But the MPAA is pretty much irrelevant now. I mean, movies are still rated. Yeah. But you don't need to get a rating to sell a movie to a cinema, which was the complete opposite huh. to back like... And in, in this day, in, in the time of the pre-code, you needed that government approval to go ahead and sell a film. Mm-hmm. So it's also just like, this was only 100 years ago where it was completely different. I mean, less than 100 years ago because it didn't end until the late 60s. And the 70s were different economically. And right now we're even seeing something different with things going to streaming yeah. and how many ways you can bypass working with studios and like Are how we getting more crazy? Well, it's is kind this, of is like a haze, the next can't. haze coming in, Ted Cruz. Well, I don't think there could ever be I mean, unless there was an extreme regime change in this country, which I guess more and more does not seem that unlikely, but it would have to be kind of like a Russian kind of thing where like, you know, there's this standardized government thing because otherwise cinemas operate 
pretty much just like any other business. They mm-hmm. can you can sell your movie to a cinema under most conditions. It really depends just on that cinema. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to think about places like Sun Cinema that are technically movie houses, but they control the content. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's just modernization, especially now that things are virtual. You know, we're doing virtual film festivals, you know, mm-hmm. where you buy access to a film. And so it gets you to think like, I can make a film, I can edit it and then just pay Amazon however much to put it up and I'll get that money directly. I don't mm-hmm. have to go through a distributor or anything. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I mean. Like yeah. this was such a unique time and you can tell in the energy of these films because these four films are about very different kind of things but they have similar tones they have similar themes and they approach each uh method of abjection differently you know so pre-code do you have anything to say i Enjoyed watching these films. Okay. Yeah. I, when you're talking about the German expressionism, those were hard for me. <laughs> these were short and sweet, punchy. And uh, actually, let me just add a quick thing. The acting was great in Jekyll and Invisible Man. Yeah. Um, Freaks. Let's see. What was the other one? Oh, Dark House. Sure. Um I didn't. Agree. I I thought some of the choices in Invisible Man, as from a director standpoint, yeah, I thought they were kind of stupid. Like there's one at the in like obvious ways. Like what? there's one scene at the beginning where there's this big bouquet of flowers on the table, and the two characters go and stand on opposite sides of the flowers, almost like just to put flowers in the shot. Yeah. And then they have a scene where like. They're talking through the flowers. I'm just like, why are these flowers here? Like, it's it's like, why? So you have beef with James Whale. I've got beef with James Whale. I I don't think uh, you're like. I question some of those choices. (laughs) Oh, so now you're calling it a choice. Hundred years later. (laughs) Ah, no, yeah, these are. They're deeply weird films. I will say, yeah. like, of this time, they're definitely the weirdest films. Because, yeah, I do agree that after this time, unless you go to foreign countries, um, I mean, but you have to think the production code affected more than just America. Because foreign films, if they wanted the American market, they also had to pass the production mm. code. That's why Giallo's, if we want to go back all the way to our good Italian buddies, mm-hmm. um, Giallo's started towards the end of the 60s because now Italian uh, markets could there sell. There was no code? Exactly. They could uh-huh. sell their films to America. Woo-hoo. And that's a large reason why Giallo's came right at the time that they did. Gotcha. You know? Code so, break. <laughs> yeah. So the code, you know, affected cinema heavily. And in this brief four-year period, so much was planted that really established, I mean, this is the beginning of American horror. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now you know. Now you know. The pre-code films. And actually, The Invisible Man also. Yeah. Um, it's the first time I've ever seen a monster 
who who does the witty witty one liners like as he's messing with people. <laughs> yeah. Like as yeah. he's doing, he's like yeah. he had like a stupid like, Yeah, like a little punt, like ah, ah, da, 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 da. and I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> they, they were really on to something Good energy. here. Yeah, this is he's where the camp. leprechaun got there. The invisible man is camp. Yeah. He is. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. With his this... old wrapped up self and Yeah. Oh my god, I thought it was so funny that like him being bandaged is what was offensive to so many of them. Oh, what do you mean? Like they were horrified. I, like, I, when I'm they not saw- gonna lie. Like if they really did had just left him alone, you don't like maybe you would have had a better day. No, he sucked. He needed he hadn't <laughs> paid his so? rent. He hadn't paid his rent for a week. I mean, and speaking of that, no one should pay their rent during COVID, but you know, I understand don't don't get in legal trouble, yeah. but we shouldn't morally have to pay rent. But in any case, he should have paid his rent. He had the money. He was just a <laughs> jerk, a t- invisible. Well, he was trying maniac. to solve his problem of invisibility. Was he? I thought he was trying to. I, when does he turn and just want to take over the world? Yeah. You uh, know, the, I will say the motives are murky yeah, in this one. Yeah. They're not as transparent as uh, they can be oh, oh. <laughs> i'll show you transparent uh. <sighs> all right well so that was the pre-code we're out of the pre we're out of the pre-code we're out of the code thank god we don't live in the code um we what like do we to live thank in? america for its freedoms yikes <laughs> um what comes next? We don't know. I guess we'll decide. Maybe Hitchcock. Maybe Aliens. You love Hitchcock. I don't love Hitchcock <laughs> at all. You can't wait to do Hitchcock. No. Actually, I just wrote that lecture. Uh-huh. And I think I told you. It's just me trashing the man for trashing like 10 minutes. Trashing the man. Um, but I guess we can possibly do an episode on him. Um, uh, or Aliens. Or Aliens. Yeah. Or have you done Japan yet? I want to say no. We could do Japan. Yeah, we should go do back Japan. to Latin America. Mm-hmm. We can look at a theme. What what theme in particular you think? I, I, I don't mind. know, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is where you give Clowns. me some ideas. Dolls. I don't even understand like the fear behind those movies. I really Clowns, don't. You mean? Dolls, clowns. Yeah. I don't really get it. Yeah. Like I'll watch them, but mm-hmm. have I ever been scared? No. Yeah. Like yeah. child's play is funny. Yeah. Am I scared? Correct. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't I mean, I don't even know what it would be. Yeah. yeah. Ghosts, paranormal. We got a lot of things, a lot of options, possibilities. Yeah. yeah Stick you know. with us. Yeah. I've been taking a couple um t- taking over the Instagram a little bit. Yes. So follow that. Clinton is much funnier than I am. I'm just busy. That's not true. Oh, that's true. It's not true, but you are busy. <laughs> um and so yeah, follow on the Instagram, Horrorspiria. Yeah, if you have suggestions for episodes, you know, our one listener that I think stopped listening to us oh, always no. wanted <laughs> always wanted us to do um movies that are so bad they're good. I guess we could, you know, we should probably turn to Shudder for that. Maybe we can at Shudder. Be like, yeah. Shudder. What do you have to recommend us? I mean, I think it would just and be... like, look at our recommendations yeah. that you pull up on your app. Did you watch... You watched one cut from the of the dead, right? Oh, we got to talk about that. We could do... That was from... That was Japan. Japan? Yeah. yeah. 
Or we could do, yeah, there's so many. We definitely, that's got to do that. For the, so bad it's good. I feel like we need some sort of twist, like international or American or, you know, like, I mean, I guess American would be the default for that. But we are a more international and we are more academic. We are more thinky, right? We're thinky things. Can we? We, we, we do the thought. We do the thing. We do the... We, we connecting? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. We do very smart things <laughs> together. I think that thought led to nowhere. Mm. But I respect it. Okay. It's starting to look like Twilight in here. So we should uh, head to the board. To the old dark house. To the old dark house. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to us. We're Horusperia. For life. And death. And we hope you're safe. <laughs>